0: If I could do it all over again, I would just come to L.A. sooner. I would go to Sweden, and I would learn Swedish and change my last name to, like, Skarsgård or something, and then move here and be, be more exotic. I'd be a more exotic version of Blake Webb. L.A. just loves exotic. They love their Swedes, they're, they're Brits, they're Australians. <laughs> that would be my strategy.
1: This is L.A.'s Good For You, Tinseltown, a podcast about the art, science, and business of filmmaking. Each week, we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. Have you ever wondered what it takes to guest star on a popular TV show? We have the answers for you. This week, we talk to Blake Webb, L.A.-based actor originally from Phoenix, Arizona, who starred in some of the longest-running TV series, such as Criminal Minds and NCIS. We're going to start with a tricky one um, on a scale of 1 to 10. With 10 being Will Smith, where do you think you are in your acting career right now?
0: As far as like, so when I moved to LA four and a half years ago, I knew I could, I knew I could act, but I didn't, I didn't understand the industry here. I would say I'm at a, I don't know, I'd say I'm a five right now. I'd say talent wise, I think I'm higher than that. I believe in my talent quite a bit. The th- and I didn't four and a half years ago. I really believe in my talent. I don't believe that's that's usually the issue when I audition. I believe it's just fitting parts, and and you you have to be the best fit in this very competitive industry. But where I want to be, and like where I can go, a five probably. Like I, I I think I can go much further, but I doubt myself all the time, like most most people, like we do. Um, but. Uh, yeah I think I'm I think I'm on a good track right now and it's nice to talk to people that um, have known me for the whole ride that I be, like really believe in like there's a couple friends I, I have from Spizer studio um, who their words of like encouragement, not just encouragement but validation mean a lot to me or like a casting director really saying they believe in you or like, wow, you're really talented. like you should never quit this. Um I can think of like a few people off the top of my head one including Aaron Spizer who um I've been going to for 4 years that have told me like you just you have the talent you're there like you can do this you just have to give it more time now and that's incredibly encouraging to hear but it's also very discouraging at times when you think that was the best audition I've ever had and you don't get it cuz that doesn't that's not what this is all about. It's not just about good acting. It's about also fitting the parts and and so many little things that that factors that go into it. So that it's a that's a tough question because talent wise, I think I'm like I think I'm on par. I like with all my competition. I really do believe I can compete with almost anyone. Um, but as far as getting those opportunities, well, those don't, you don't get. Like I don't think I'm getting all the opportunities that I can yet Um, because that comes with time or getting – like we were talking about outside, getting that one role that kind of sets you apart where you're doing that one thing that you can do better than just about anyone in the world. And there might be people who can do it as well as you, but they're not in that – they didn't get that opportunity. And it's really just being able to show that to, to, to people and for people to be able to see your talent but being ready for that. And so right now I feel very ready um for those opportunities talent-wise. But I have a ton of insecurities and doubts all the time just like just like I think most actors, I think it's normal to have those and and that's what's hard to to um to deal with sometimes is to think, wow, this is normal to feel this. That's painful, but it is. It's very painful to be an actor. And it and it I guess it should be. I don't know. I don't know.
1: And you moved here four and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, so let's just talk about the beginning of your career. But also, have you always wanted to be an actor? Did you go to an acting school? How did it all start?
0: I, I've um, always wanted to be an actor since I was a little kid. But I, I was raised in a very conservative household. And my parents, I, my, I always wanted my dad's validation. Um, I would I'd call myself, I'm getting better about it, but I'm, I've been a validation seeker my whole life. And, um, I'm getting better about not people pleasing or seeking validation as much, but my, my, uh, dad, I always wanted to make him proud. And, uh, I think I wanted to be an actor since I was a little kid. I I just remember people would say, oh, you remind me of this guy. You remind me of that guy. And, and I, and I also was a very emotional kid. Um, I had emotional highs and lows and, uh. You know, a little outburst, and I just and I like to entertain my parents and just goof off and get a react. I like to get a reaction from people. I like to sit in class, like at school, in elementary school, and think of something to say that might get a reaction. Just blurt it out in class. I used to sit there and think of things, and I love getting reactions from people. And I I could get my mom to re- get mad at me in about just so quickly by just kind of. People call trolling now. I was a good troll. So I... Uh, but I was very emotional too. Um, and I think I got that from my mom. I'm, I'm very much an empath. So I don't know. All those things just made me drawn to acting. But the only classes I took like... When I was a kid was I went... In uh, middle school I took a drama class. Like in, in, you know, middle school. And I just wanted to make people laugh. I just do stupid things and make people laugh. and um, And then in high school... I took one drama class and I made people laugh. That's all I did. I never did anything dramatic. Just made people laugh. But I didn't take it seriously. I didn't believe in myself very much. Even like sports. I was a decent athlete. But I didn't... I had a lot of... uh, You know, like... I guess I was just... Doubted myself a lot. And I never like really just went for it. But I was a good student in school. And uh, then I went to college. And and being from a, a very conservative background. Religious background... Um, and I went to a religious college, at, um, at BYU. I I don't. I thought I would just end up getting married and forget about acting because my parents didn't really want me to be an actor because of like the moral and ethical things that that you see in the in the news and that you believe is is what comes with acting, which I don't believe is is necessarily true. I believe they're kind of like stereotypes, which you know come with any career. And so I uh, I didn't get involved in acting until I was 27. Um, I'd just gone through a breakup, um, so I was living in San Diego. I moved back to Utah. Uh, the girl that I was dating, we broke up, and then uh, I thought I'm not gonna get any younger, and I, it was just gnawing at me this 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 desire to act, and I had a little bit of time to I was free. And um, I didn't have a job at the time because I just moved to Utah. We just broken up and I had money saved and I had about a month to find a new job. And in that time I I got two job offers the same day, one for a more established company doing, I do like marketing graphic design at the time and one for like a company. It was like a startup. And I took the startup job that paid less because I thought it'd be more flexible to get into acting. And, uh, you know, I kind of took advantage of that situation a bit and did a lot of short films, a lot of indie features in Utah. Like, the, the as mo- much as you can do. I was very aggressive. And uh, and I'd self-submit on backstage for non-union stuff, and I booked a lot on there. And then I just went to class after class after class. And I said, after two years in Utah and working with the main Utah directors, I'm going to move to L.A. And so right before I moved to L.A., I... I Through an acting coach in Utah, I got recommended to do Streetcar Named Desire in Texas um, at a little theater in Granbury, Texas. Still to this day, it's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite acting experience. And I have done very little theater. Um, I went and did that. And I just said, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to move to L.A. I committed. I just said, I'm going to move to L.A. I can't remember what month it was. But I just, I think it was July or something. I just said in July, moved to L.A. That's it. Like, there's nothing's going to stop me from moving to L.A. So I did Streetcar at the time of my life. Was there for two or three months. Went back to Utah. Did one more short film I committed to. And then I just moved to L.A. And it was scary. And I only, I didn't have hardly any money, like, saved up. I was just making, I started making, I was making enough off these little indie things to just live off of. But I was living off of very little. So I moved here and I have a lot of money saved up and I just said, I got to do it. I got to, I got to get out there because I'm not getting any younger. And I, and I, uh, I thought I could do it like naively, very, like very naively thought I could compete and moved out here and, uh, and the rest is history. Like I've been out here four and a half years and it's been very, very difficult. I'd say... Probably the the some of the most difficult years of my life have been in LA, but the most rewarding as well. And hopefully, you know, I haven't seen the top of that mountain yet. I I don't I think I'm just hopefully just starting. But uh, you know, it's such a challenging career, and you got people who who don't you know, you got people who believe in you too much. They they think it's almost too easy. They're like, oh, you booked this thing, you're gonna book another thing like next week, and and then it's like no. Booking that thing took so long. Like that was my 12th audition for that show. And that's like unheard of or whatever, you know, or people will be like, they just don't, they think, don't think it's realistic. So it's very tough. And, but being, if I could do it all over again, I would just come to LA sooner. Or I would, what I tell people sometimes is that I would go to Sweden, my, my land of, uh, where my, 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 uh, ancestors are from. And I would learn Swedish. And change my last name to like Skarsgård or something. And then move here and be, be more exotic. I'd be a more exotic version of Blake Webb. Because LA just loves exotic. They love their Swedes, their Brits, their Australians. <laughs> that would be my strategy. But anyway. I'm so glad to to, to be in LA and, uh, and be who I am. But it's a very challenging career. And uh, if I knew what I know now... I don't think I'd go through it. Like if I knew how much I'd have to go through to get to where I'm at now, I don't know if that version of me five years ago would have taken the plunge. I think sometimes you have to do things a little bit naively and just blind it and just do it and and hope for the best and really commit. So,
2: When you came out to L.A., did you have a plan of how you were going to get there or did you kind of just go with what was coming at you?
0: I had no I had no plan at all um, what happened is my friend um, one of my close friends he his wife he lives actually near here near uh, Playa Vista near Playa Vista um, and his wife and two kids were out of town for a month for like a family reunion reunion and stuff and he had to stay for work so he said you can stay with me for a month man you want to come and he he probably didn't want to be lonely for a month too so it was like yeah yeah Come out for a month. So I said, yeah, like a few months, like a couple months in advance. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Um, I had no plan. I had no plan at all. But before I'd moved out here, I'd done a couple workshops. And some people are against workshops. Some, people's are, some people are for them. I'm very much for them. I don't think they work for everyone. Um, they, they worked for me. Uh, but I, I'd done a couple workshops before I moved out here with casting directors. So I kind of already... Kn- like had a plan I was like sort I guess I did have sort of a plan I was going to be who I always was just super aggressive and I was going to do as many workshops as I could I was convinced that if I had like just enough money to do every workshop in town that I could just book something and so that's what I did I would just I um I got a job doing graphic design which I'd been doing for several years for a makeup company I knew nothing about makeup was the first employee for this company, which has since grown. But it's not like a huge company, but it's still a startup. But they have a lot of employees now. And I got a job there. And I every dime I made. And I rented a living room when I moved out here. I was living in Hollywood. Just rented a living room for like 400 bucks for the first several months. And it was rough. So, like, you know, um, I was living in that living room. And then I just started working in graphic design. And then I got my own apartment in Burbank about a year later. Um, I was doing pretty good on like decent on money and I just did every workshop I could I did oh that first year I probably did over 100 workshops so like, like 50 a pop so whatever that comes 50 times 100 you know that's what I spent and then uh, I just did a lot of workshops met a lot of casting directors and I had pretty low level agents but I would well I don't want to call them low level just newer agents um, smaller agencies and uh and i would get submitted they'd be submitting me and they would submit me at the same time as i just met someone at a workshop and they thought i was right for the part of a guard on american horror story and then i get that audition and that's how that was my plan my plan was just be aggressive like i was obsessed with acting like literally obsessed and so all i knew is what i had I'd done when i did just indie films in utah and short films just do as much as you can so I was in Aaron's class. I was going to two classes at once all the time for like the first three years. So in class twice a week for, you know, four hours and change and then like each class and then at work like 30 hours a week doing graphic design contracted and then and then just doing workshops every night I could. So I was in, I lived in Burbank because they were all in Burbank until they shut them down. And it worked for me. I, I, it worked for me. But I didn't have that plan per se. My plan was just make enough money to... Do everything I could to become a better actor and meet people, because I knew no one, no connections. Like that one friend that let me stay with him was the only person I knew in LA, and he's not even an actor. He's not even in the industry. So I just, I just had to make something, and I wasn't getting auditions from my agents alone without those workshops, because I, I mean, 25 to 35 Caucasian guys. There's a lot of them. So why am I different? Why if they can only bring in 15 people? And they get four thousand submissions. Why are they gonna bring you in over those three thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine other guys? It's crazy. If you think about that too much, you'll just go home to to Wichita, Kansas, or in my case, Arizona. So I try not to think about that too much.
1: So you did a lot of um short movies. Yes. In in Utah. Um, you know, one of the things that we keep hearing is that oh, you know, you have to be sag in order to to succeed in Hollywood because otherwise nobody uh-huh. is even gonna look at you. So did you get your did you get into the union when you were doing your short movies? Did you come here as a union actor um, or w-
0: when I moved to LA, I don't know if I was in the union already. I think I, I think I was SAG eligible. Yeah. From some some stuff I did from those features or shorts or something. I can't remember I didn't focus on that a lot. Because I remember when I was in Utah, people would always post their SAG... They'd, they'd post, like, a picture of their SAG eligibility thing in the mail. And they they'd, it was a big victory for them. Like, they'd made it. And I remember thinking, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, if they want you for... It just made sense to me. If they want you for a TV part, I feel like they're gonna... They'll make it work. Um, I don't know a lot about Taff Hartley and that stuff. But I remember I just moved here and I booked uh, a little, like, one-line part in Allegiant, the third divergent through an agent in uh, Atlanta that I had. And that was when I had to join the union. So I had to pay like the $3,500 or whatever. Whatever it was. It's probably a little more now. But yeah, I paid it. But those short films, I just did as many as I could in Utah. I don't know if they made me SAG eligible. I just wanted footage. I wanted real footage. And I wanted to know I was good. I wanted validation, like we were talking about earlier. I wanted to know if I could do it. So doing... I did like... Little student shorts for <laughs> I did so many student shorts before I moved here I regret a, i mean I don't regret anything I did like my path led me here so i and i'm and i'm and and I, and I feel like i'm doing I'm on a good path right now but so I don't regret anything I've done but there's because I've done so many student shorts and and low budget indie films I don't want to do a lot of them anymore I've been through the I've had enough little Caesars pizza. You know, yeah, uh, but there's nothing wrong. with Little Caesar's pizza when you have when you're having it, like when you're on a new student short every week, like I was in Utah, uh, you-, you get a lot of Little Caesar's pizza, and then you just you're you're seeing everyone learn. Is you're learning too, but once you've learned, it's hard to go back to that and be like, oh, I'm gonna watch everybody learn while I'm, I'm- I've-, I've already learned this. It's you lose your patience a little bit, and and you're you gotta you gotta value yourself too. So like. I think that stuff's great to get footage if the footage looks good and if you are acting well on it and it makes you look good so um, I don't regret any of that but yeah I did I did more than I should have if I could go on IMDb and just kind of like click delete on a few things I'd delete like half of my credits on there because it's just stuff that's just fluff it's just stuff I did and a lot of things I did but I don't regret any of it I met really good people some like my best friends I met on like uh, low budget indies or um, shorts you know Friends for life and, and and people who might be very successful in the future and might want to work together again, hopefully. So
1: And you've done a lot of workshops, as you said, in mm-hmm. hundreds. Um met a lot of casting directors, but how did you get your manager and, and your agent? Because that's another thing that every single yeah. actor thinks, I'm not gonna have any access to these good, juicy roles unless I've got somebody batting for me
0: that's a good question that's a tough one too that's a really uh hard one to answer because i don't think there's just one right way to answer that one um my first i would say the best way for me so the thing with like this industry there's no one right method like some people might have friends that are in high places that they can get a referral from um or they might be 21 and they might just be perfect for that new show, like a 13 reasons why they're looking for high schoolers. And that was never me. I never looked like I could play high school when I moved here. I was beyond that. I was probably right there around college age, but you know, um, but anyway, I did a showcase. It's a showcase um, where you pay like a hundred bucks and there's 10 agents or managers and you get up in front of them and you do a scene. So I did, I did several of those. Um, this industry's like some people call it they, – they say like, oh, I don't want to pay to play. I don't want to do workshops. Um, wor- workshops and showcases are different. But like uh, workshops are where you're in front of a casting director and showcases are where you're in front of managers or agents. But um, any industry is – if you want to learn, you have to pay. If you want to learn from experts, you have to pay. And when you want to get a manager, an agent, you need to get up in front of managers and agents. And that's really hard to do if you're – unless you're like putting on a play or you get cast in a play. In either case, you're paying because if you're doing a play, you're paying with your time and you're usually not getting paid. And if you're putting on a play, you're paying for your play. So everything's pay to play in my mind and so i did the showcase It was 100 bucks super cheap 10 agents you get up in front of them you do a scene and i would just pick a scene and, and rehearse it with aaron spizer or, or a different coach and just get it polished and, and get a partner and go and do that scene in front of those 10 agents and uh hope one contacted me and my first manager that's how he contacted me was through one of those and it, and it served its purpose use use uh I said he was a good manager for me. Um a little hard on me sometimes, but he's a good manager for me. And then I've been through I don't know how many agents I've had now. Uh probably five. I was my first agent I was only with for like three or four months. She couldn't get me a lot of auditions, so she just dropped me. And then at one time there was a commercial agent that wanted to rep me, but only commercially. And I wanted him to rep me theatrically. And he's like, No, you don't have any credits yet. Sorry. And then he reps me commercially now, but he wanted to rep me theatrically years later cuz he's like, "Oh, I see you book some stuff." <laughs> this this industry is catch 22 sometimes. You have to be more aggressive than all all everyone else. You're you you could say you're competing with them. You're really just competing with yourself. I'd say it's more like you know, track and field or wrestling where you're just you're competing with yourself, your your mind. It's a mental battle. But um you have to work outwork the people. I guess you are competing against people. You do need to outwork them. Unless you just you, you just I don't know. I don't know there's exceptions to every rule and um, there's no method. but I found that finding an agent manager is easiest through these showcases for me. Um, this last time I had it last year I got dropped by both my agent and manager at the exact same time, like within two months. both one my agent quit his job with the agency he was with, which was a very good agency, which hurt a lot. He moved to a different division and he had to drop his drama clients. Of course, they won't drop you if you're like a series regular. There's no way. I wasn't. I booked some stuff with them, some TV stuff. But my manager, two months later, went to a new company. Three of the, the Two of the partners with that three-partner company left too. He went to a better company. So he dropped half his clients. Dropped me. It felt like my whole world had fallen. For a month, I was just completely depressed about it. And I was asking for referrals and it wasn't working. There's a, there's a lot of competition. They might not need your, someone in your category. So I went back to what I did four years ago. I did showcases. I did two. Got a new manager and uh, booked something uh, that's coming out later this year. Uh, like two episodes and 13 reasons why. And that opened the door to get a, a decent agent. So that manager got me a, a, a new agent. Who's he's friends with. It's a good agency. And he said, I think you should go with this this guy. So it's, it's a good agency if it's not one of the huge ones, but I might not get lost in that pack again. So agencies and managers are, it's a tricky thing. And I think the best way to approach it is to always think that this isn't your last agent or manager. So that way you're not devastated if it doesn't work out. If you drop them or they drop you, it's kind of like, I don't. I, it is kind of like dating, but dating you you want to always think it's this might be the person you end up marrying. So you want to think that with your agent manager, but that's just not always how, how it goes. So it's tricky to get them. It really is. If you can get referrals, that's the best way. But if if you can't, you just got to go online and start Google searching. Google's a great thing. I use Google a lot. That's a, that's helped my career a lot. Is Google, yeah.
2: So now that you have an agent, do you rely on them to get you auditions, or do you do some of your own research for roles?
0: I have more than I should. Recently, past I'm being completely honest. Past like two years, I've relied more on my agents and managers than I should. Um, I try to check in with them often, to to keep them in my like, in their recent memory, um, out of sight, out of mind. So I try to I try to do that, but. Here's the here's the tough thing. The tough thing is if you're only self submitting, you can only do so much because like if you're on Actors Access Actors Access or LA Casting self submitting some of those like it depends on the category you're in. If you're a very niche actor, like say you're like a 55 year old um, Japanese man fluent in Japanese, you're very niche. So you might find roles occasionally on Actors Access that these big casting directors are looking for in a big show. I'm not I'm in a very broad like there's a lot of guys 25 35 Caucasian so on Actors Access generally the good TV roles will never be on there for me ever so they always come from agent manager that's the tricky part so what I try to do is stay connected with like like one of a girl I coach with often for my auditions and self tape with sometimes she'll be like hey I just coached a guy and he read for this role did you get submitted for this let's say it's for Narcos I didn't, so I'll email my man, my agent or manager, but I didn't get submitted for this. then they'll submit me and I'll get an audition occasionally. It's worked a couple times. It'd be crazy if that was the one I booked that like helped my career immensely. It could happen. but that's what I try to do to like to like cover my bases. Um, I try to be I try to still I'm not as aggressive as I was four years ago in the sense that some of those things don't work as well for me anymore because now that I've gotten some TV credits, workshops aren't quite as valuable as they were before. Cause those were getting me co-star auditions to get guest star auditions. Sometimes those are just, you have to fit it right. And sometimes it's just few and far between. So I try to do as much as I can. And I, and I'm hard on myself when I don't feel like I'm doing as much as I can. Right now I feel like I am doing as much as I can. (laughs) So it's like, it's always just keeping yourself in check and trying to be healthy mentally and just, doing what you yeah doing as much as you can to like get those opportunities if you haven't had a tv credit yet workshops are a great way um self submitting on actors access is a great way to get like uh ultra low budget auditions for like feature films you know like 100 dollar a day stuff but once you once you decide oh i don't know if i want to do as much of that stuff it gets trickier cuz you you do rely on your agents and managers heavily heavily so you got to trust them and know they're like batting for you I, I haven't, like it's been really slow for me the past few weeks. I panicked a little, but I try not to panic too much. Last week, I just checked in with my manager. I said, hey, just checking in, it's been slow. I just want to make sure, um, you know, I'm doing everything I can for you right now. And he said, oh, don't even panic. He said, it's just slow right now. And he said, it'll pick up after the 4th of July. And I'm like, that's two months away. <laughs> what am I supposed to do for two months? But I'll probably get an audition tomorrow. Or something. I'll get, you know, not tomorrow, but maybe Monday or maybe later today. I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's Sometimes I lose hope. I'm like, I'm never going to get another audition. And then I get an audition. Or three in a week. And I'm like, whoa. So, yeah.
2: Um, I want to touch base a little bit on these showcases and workshops that you keep mentioning. Mm-hmm. Do you still do these now that you have an agent? And also, where do you find them?
0: Um, so, there's not as many because they... Some some people thought they were like evil things, and they uh, they got them sh- they had them shut down. Like the main the major places, it was ridiculous. It happened a couple of years ago. Um, fortunately, I'd done a lot of them before, so I wasn't. Complete- but friends that had just been moving in, they're they're like, "What do I do? How do I get started?" I'm like, "I don't know. There's no more workshops. I don't know." They helped me, but they're gone. They they are still around. There's a place called Ace Studios. Um, that's in Burbank, and it's a good one. There's not as many casting directors doing them, but some still do them because it was like a witch hunt for a while. They, again, these casting directors did nothing wrong. You can imagine if a casting director, who's casting a major TV show, did a workshop for free in LA, there would be a line of 5,000 people. 4,500 of them probably can't act. And they're there, and it's free. You're never getting to, get to talk to them. Fifty bucks isn't a lot of money. I mean, it's it's really not. Rent is very high in LA though, so that is a lot of money. Um, but you know, that that um that being said, uh, I still do some recently at Ace Studios. It's still one of the only places, and there's another there's another place that does like one or two a month. It's kind of underground. It's referral only. And I've been going to there. And it's it's mostly older actors. It's mostly actors like over 50. And I somehow through an agent got referred there. So I, I still try to do one every week lately. Because I like being busy. And it's so hard to be on set all the time. Unless you're a series regular. And that's my ultimate goal. And I just feel so lazy if I'm not like trying to do other stuff and if I have the funds to do it and I'm not doing it and there's a casting director I want to meet that I haven't met or haven't seen lately why not go see him why not go throw up a scene in front of him because that's all you do at a workshop you just you go there they do a little Q&A and everybody asks about social media so does social media matter that's the question everyone asks and I'm like I just put my face into my hand like this and I just nobody can see me because this is a podcast but my my palm is covering my eyes and I have a migraine. Um, and I just sit there for like the rest of the Q&A. Like uh, it's going to be so people ask them at social media. And um, but there's a and a And then um, and then you put up a scene in front of them. It's fun. It's like a good exercise. It feels like an audition. It's not an audition. They have to state that like very legally before. This is not an audition. You will not get auditions from this. But honestly, if you're a casting director and you meet some great person who is a great actor in, comes and does a workshop and does a great scene and you're going through 4,000 headshots and you just met that person the week before, would you not think about seeing that person? You're like, wow, that actor surprised me. They're really good. I would. It works for me. It worked for me. I've seen it work for a couple other people, but it, it really did work for me when I first started. I haven't gotten auditions from a workshop in a while. Like I've been doing them for probably like the last six months, every once in a while. But I don't expect that. I go there as an exercise more, more than anything to test my like to get validation too. I still seek a little bit of it, a little. So I'll go there, and it just feels good to be told like, "Wow, you can do this. Like you are, you are a great actor." It feels really good to hear that from someone who who you like. It's not like you're on set and a crew member is like, "Hey, that was really good. I saw like a tear. That was good." Like that doesn't mean any. I mean, doesn't mean shit. It doesn't. Because they, they they shouldn't even be telling you that. Aaron always talks about that. Aaron Spicer does. But when you're going up in front of a casting director, like I just did one for casting director recently, I don't know if I should mention like casting director names because I don't I don't know like the workshop thing. But he casts a major show, and I've been on one of his shows, and I haven't seen him in four years. And I I auditioned for the show one time. It's called The Last Ship, and I booked it, and. I went to him and I did a workshop and I got a very difficult scene where the character just found out that his mother is brain dead and they want to, they want to use her organs that she's an organ donor and they want to take her organs. But I'm, I think that the medical staff did, did a bad job. She got hit by a skateboarder. Now she's brain dead. So I did that scene and he gave it to us is like, he gave it to us the day before He selected scenes based on what you look like on your headshots. That is an audition that is the same as an audition like the exercise of it. Not it's not really an audition. I did it and he's like, "Dude, you should be so proud of yourself. Like that was amazing." Like it, it made him a little emotional. Like he's like, "One of 10 actors I see can do that scene." It felt so good to hear that. So good. It it filled my acting soul for like a week. Like I I didn't get an audition the next week. I didn't care cuz it felt good cuz that casting director is a major casting director believed in me. That's the validation I'm talking about. It's not your like your mom, which is good validation. But like it's it's someone who's in the industry, who's deep in the industry, who can speak from their 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 volumes of experience and tell you like you you can do this thing. And then there's no doubt. You might doubt like the way we all doubt the way we look sometimes, the way we feel sometimes, but it feels really good to know that you're good at what you do. You know? There might be a NBA player who thinks he's too short sometimes, and that might be his insecurity or something like that. But to know he can really play basketball is that's all that matters. That's what I try to how I try to treat acting now. It's the only healthy way I can do it. Otherwise, I think of the dumbest shit and I worry about it, like the dumbest things. I, I don't even want to get into it in this podcast. I'm a, I'm an insecure person sometimes, but for me to know that I'm a great actor. Then I'm like, I can't quit. This is the thing I'm best at in life. I'm better at this than I am at graphic designer marketing, and that's what I studied. That's what I got my bachelor's of science in. So it's like, this is what I should keep doing. People think I'm delusional. Then I don't know what to tell them because I'm good at this. So at least you can say that, and it doesn't come across in a cocky way because you've been validated, and you're just like, you know, I, I know I can do this thing. So. Yeah, workshops are a great way. They're a great way to get experience in front of cast directors. Don't even like go to them seeking auditions. Just go to them to, to get better at the craft. They're not acting coaches. They're not a replacement for acting coaches. Nothing is. But they are a different thing. They're another tool. And it's good networking. So.
2: So let's talk a little bit more about your type. Okay. What exactly is your type? And does this help you get roles in auditions?
0: It's a really, another really good question. You guys, all your questions are, like, very well thought out. They And thanks for, like, you actually, like, did, re, you do research on who you interview, and that that's very meaningful. Um, I don't know my exact type, but I'm pretty good about my type, I feel like. I told you outside, um, so it wasn't recorded, but I'm just going to have to repeat it. Uh and remember, it. Uh, so I told you guys outside that when I moved here, I, I wanted to get on Criminal Minds and The Last Ship. The Last Ship is a military show. I look like a military guy, sound like one. And then I wanted to get on uh, Criminal Minds because 75% of the killers on that show, which the show just ended after 15 seasons. Um, 75% of the killers are 25 to 35 like Caucasian male is what I read. Somewhere, I don't know if that's true. I read it somewhere, and I've seen the show an enough times to to see that. I thought I could fit that, like, and I knew in U- I I did like a short in Utah that I I won like a little thing for, um, for playing a serial killer type guy, and I was like, I can do that, and so I met that that I just thought that's not my type. Like, I can play more in a serial killer, but I knew I could do that, and so I just targeted those shows. I don't know my exact type. My type, I think. Maybe I do. I think what I've been told is you can play like a guy next door and you can play also like the brooding killer or like something like that, you know? So when I do workshops, going a lot of workshop talk, I picked a scene where it's a charismatic guy and then it, he's talking to a woman, flirting with her, and then it turns out that he just killed her husband and he's in the trunk of it, or her husband-to-be and he's in the trunk of my car. It's a weird scene. It's from a show called... Uh, the following with Kevin Bacon, it's not on anymore, but I, I choose it because it's my type. Charismatic guy, charming guy, got kind of like a like a, a Matt Damon thing, and then it's just like he's a killer. He's a killer. So I I try not to compare myself to other actors anymore because it's it's a I compare too much, and it's not healthy for me like mentally. But I I got a lot of different comparisons before I moved here. I'm like okay that might be my type ish. But sometimes I'm wrong. You know, sometimes I don't go in for the same role that those guys might go in for. I'm a little more edgy than some of the guys I've been compared to. Or I, I, you know, I I try to just uh, type is a challenging thing because you don't want to typecast yourself too much to where you just think that's all you are. You want to be open to a lot of things. Like I I know I can be funny. I don't go in for comedy a lot. I never have. It's, I don't know, like I have an intensity to my look or an edge or something. I don't go in for a lot of comedy. I can do comedy though. And so the thing is, is I don't want to say, oh, I can only play killers because I did criminal minds because I know I've played other things other than that. Or I can only play low level steroid dealers because I did that in like 13 Reasons Why recently. I don't want to say that. But the thing is, is I know that I, I guess with type, I play edgy characters well and I'm not a very edgy guy in real life. I have, I'm have. i a nice guy. This is what I am in real life. I'm a nice guy and then I do have an edge. I have a side that's like kind of like, you know, like uh, intense. I actually think that that that's what I go in for for the most part. So I don't think I have to play to a type much. Like we were talking about Taxi Driver. I know that's a question coming up. I know I could play that role. I know I could play a role like that. Like offbeat character. So I think I'm kind of like a type where I can play some character. Some leading man. I'm in the middle, and I've been told that by casting. You're in the middle of like leading man character, and that's a good place to be. They've told me that, and I go, "Oh, that's like a huge compliment. That's good to hear." And I hope that's true, and I and I hope that's my type. But like I did Leslie Kahn's class when I first moved here, and someone, and and they, 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 the other students look at you and they and they give you like a type, and so and the students in my class said you're like a Wahlberg meets Ethan Hawke or something. Okay, it's cool to hear, but. You know, you don't want to like latch onto that too much because then you compare yourself and you're looking at their movies and you're thinking you can be like them. I don't think it's healthy. I really don't. Like when I had Streetcar in Bazaar, I did so much research on Mar- Marlon Brando. I don't want to be like Marlon Brando. I want to be me. Like, uh, Brando is a cool guy, you know, but I don't want to, I don't want the same lifestyle as him and I don't want to be like him. I don't want to emulate anybody anymore. I think I did when I first became an actor. But now I just want to be a good guy that has a good career and works hard and be remembered for that. Cause uh so type is challenging. Like don't latch on to it too much, but like I kind of know what I fit. I know I get, I know I do better at edgy auditions. I know I do better at like high energy characters that are like kind of like charismatic but edgy. I know I know kind of what I can do in that area based on what I've heard from casting directors. And like we were talking about the military stuff and the killer stuff and stuff like that. I know what I can fit, but I also don't want to close doors and stuff I can. So in acting class, try everything. Stuff you don't fit even. Like I don't go in for a lot of lawyers, but I could play a lawyer. I took the LSAT. I was. I almost wanted to do law school. Glad I didn't. But that doesn't mean I'm a, like I look a little bit edgier than some of the guys going in for lawyers. They might not want that edgy guy. I went in for a pilot a couple months ago. Audition went really well. And he's like, whoa, man. You're like, you're dangerous, huh? And the character was just like a news, uh, r- 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 or like a reporter. <laughs> and I didn't try to do that, but I'm intense. So like one of the only notes I get that it's easy for me to draw back on, like one of the notes I'll get, not consistently, but sometimes, will be like, that was great. Do the exact same thing, just a little less intensity. And then I, oh, okay. So smile a little more. It's not just smiling more, but it's kind of the things Aaron's taught me. When I first started going to class, I would never smile. So, and scenes. I thought it was all serious and, you know. Type is important to know. It really is. But don't, you know, don't think that's your limit, I guess. So, hope that kind of helps.
1: Definitely. And you lived in Mexico and you speak Spanish because mm-hmm. we heard you um, outside.
0: I told, Did, Yeah, I said like a couple sentences. A couple
1: sentences <laughs> still. Um, does this skill help you in getting auditions? Um, like, was there ever a role that you went for that that was an advantage?
0: The only show, there's only one show that it's helped me and that's Narcos. And I've been in for Narcos every season since I think season two. At least, like one, at least one audition a season, and that is like my favorite show. That would be my dream would be to be on Narcos, like it, especially if it was like a recurring or series regular. I would, I would probably just well, that that would make me that would make me emotional to book that one. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. Like I didn't think it would ever be very useful in any career. Like I, I went there on a church mission, uh, in the religion I was raised in, and when I that you don't get to pick where you go, and they said you're going to Mexico for two years, and you speak ninety nine percent Spanish because all the people you're always with another missionary all day every day, and you're only speaking Spanish and you're talking to people all day. It's like you're like a therapist, you know how ther or if like I did a podcast for a living, you know it's like you're talking constantly. Well, that's what we did all day. We'd go knock doors and talk to people about, you know, God, <laughs> and so, you know, uh, it's crazy. So, like, I, I did that every day for two years in Spanish. I spoke ninety nine point nine percent Spanish. I came home and English felt weird. I, I sounded like I was uh, like a like someone who's who's. I can like I I lived in Mexico and the people you know I like I I, I spoke like a, I was from Mexico like I could talk on the phone for a minute and someone might think I'm a Mexican I'm Mexican really like Hispanic yeah it was crazy and so I came home and you give a little talk in your church after you get home and you talk about your mission like the people that have known you most of your life and I was like hey um so I'm just gonna tell you about my my mission here, and I, I you know had a really good mission, and we'd go and knock doors, and and I would get words reversed, cause cause sometimes the that's how the order of words goes, and I, people would laugh, my friends would laugh, They're like what happened to you? So my Spanish isn't as good when I is when I was 21 and just got home, and then I would, did a study abroad later too. It's not, but it's very it's still very very fluent. And I've been in for Narcos every season because Carla Hul, the cast director, knows I'm very fluent. And there's probably only like a few dozen guys that are Caucasian that are very fluent. So it has come in handy. I haven't booked those roles. But that that's so many factors. There's age and height and all these things. So like that has nothing to do with it. But I would love to book that. I would love to be on that show. Um so yes, I think it will come in handy. I think in the next five years, I'll probably end up booking a, a good role at, because of the Spanish. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll be the deciding factor. Like the thing, maybe there's two guys that are like right equal, but this guy speaks better Spanish and they don't have to worry about that on set. That'd be the dream. But I don't go in for characters that are um, like of Hispanic origin because I don't, I don't really look that. Um, but I could play like a Border Patrol guy or DEA guy. And it's such a cool skill to have. I have a lot of, um, there's a, you know, there's a huge Hispanic population in LA. I have a lot of Mexican friends here, so like it's cool. Like I feel like I'm part Mexican. It's my favorite food. It's my favorite culture. I love, I love Mexican culture. Everything about it. So, yeah.
1: That's awesome, and that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at La Is Good For You. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinante Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low-budget recording and sound editing needs.